chapter three of trial and triumph by francis e w harper this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter three mrs harcourt was a southern woman by birth who belonged to that class of colored people whose freedom consisted chiefly in not being the chattels of the dominant race a class to whom little was given and from whom much was required she was naturally bright and intelligent but had come up in a day when the very book of the christian's law was to her a sealed volume but if she had not been educated through the aid of school books and blackboards she had obtained that culture of manners and behaviour which comes through contact with well-bred people close observation and a sense of self-respect and self-reliance and when deprived of her husband's help by an untimely death she took up the burden of life bravely and always tried to keep up what she called a stiff upper lip feeling the cramping of southern life she became restive under the privations and indignities which were heaped upon free persons of colour and at length she and her husband broke up their home and sold out at a pecuniary sacrifice to come north where they could breathe free air and have educational privileges for their children but while she was strong and healthy her husband whose health was not very firm soon succumbed to the change of climate and new modes of living and left mrs harcourt a stranger and widow in a strange land with six children dependent on her for bread and shelter but during her short sojourn in the north she had enlisted the sympathy and respect of kind friends who came to her relief and helped her to help herself the very best assistance they could bestow upon her capable and efficient she found no difficulty in getting work for herself and older children who were able to add their quota to the support of the family by running errands doing odd jobs for the neighbours and helping their mother between school hours nor did she lay all the household burdens on the shoulders of the girls and leave her boys to the mercy of the pavement she tried to make her home happy and taught them all to have a share in adding to its sunshine it makes boys selfish she would say to have their sisters do all the work and let the boys go scot-free i don't believe there would be so many trifling men if the boys were trained to be more helpful at home and to feel more for their mothers and sisters all this was very well for the peace and sunshine of that home but as the children advanced in life the question came to her with painful emphasis what can i do for the future of my boys and girls she was not anxious to have them all professional men and school teachers and government clerks but she wanted each one to have some trade or calling by which a respectable and comfortable living could be made but first she consulted their tastes and inclinations her youngest boy was very fond of horses but instead of keeping him in the city where he was in danger of getting too intimate with horse jockeys and stable boys she found a place for him with an excellent farmer who seeing the tastes of the boy took great interest in teaching him how to raise stock and he became a skilful farmer her second son showed that he had some mechanical skill 
and ingenuity and she succeeded in getting him a situation with a first-class carpenter and spared no pains to have him well instructed in all the branches of carpentry and would often say to him john don't do any sham work if you are going to be a carpenter be thorough in everything you do and try to be the best carpenter in a p and if you do your work better than others you won't have to be all the time going around advertising yourself somebody will find out what you can do and give you work her oldest son was passionately fond of books and she helped him through school till he was able to become a school-teacher but as the young man was high-spirited and ambitious he resolved that he would make his school-teaching a stepping-stone to a more congenial employment he studied medicine and graduated with m d but as it takes a young doctor some time to gain the confidence of an old community he continued after his graduation to teach and obtained a certificate to practise medicine without being forced to look to his mother for assistance while the confidence of his community was slowly growing he depended on the school for his living and looked to the future for his success as a physician for the girls because they were colored there were but few avenues open but they all took in sewing and were excellent seamstresses except lucy who had gone from home to teach school in a distant city as there were no openings of the kind for her at her own home mrs harcourt was very proud of her children and had unbounded confidence in them she was high-spirited and self-respecting and it never seemed to enter her mind that any evil might befall the children that would bring sorrow and shame to her home but nevertheless it came and lucy her youngest child the pet and pride of the household returned home with a great sorrow tugging at her heart and a shadow on her misguided life it was the old story of woman's weakness and folly and man's perfidy and desertion poor child how wretched she was till peace bound up her bleeding heart and even then the arrow had pierced too deep for healing sorrow had wasted her strength and laid the foundation of disease and an early death religion brought balm to the wounded spirit but no renewed vigor to the wasted frame and in a short time she fell a victim to consumption leaving annette to the care of her mother it was so pitiful to see the sorrow on the dear old face as she would nestle the wronged and disinherited child to her heart and would say so mournfully oh i never never expected this although annette had come into the family an unbidden and unwelcome guest associated with the saddest experience of her grandmother's life yet somehow the baby fingers had wound themselves around the tendrils of her heart and the child had found a shelter in the warm clasp of loving arms to her annette was a new charge an increased burden but burden to be defended by her love and guarded by her care all her other children had married and left her and in her lowly home this young child with infantile sweetness beguiled many a lonely hour she loved lucy and that was lucy's child but where was he who sullied her once unspotted name who lured her from life's brightness to agony and shame 
did society which closed its doors against lucy and left her to struggle as best she might out of the depth into which she had fallen pour any righteous wrath upon his guilty head did it demand that he should at least bring forth some fruit meet for repentance by at least helping mrs harcourt to raise the unfortunate child not so he left that poor old grandmother to struggle with her failing strength not only to bear her own burden but the one he had so wickedly imposed upon her he had left a p before lucy's death and gone to the pacific coast where he became wealthy through liquor selling speculation gambling and other disreputable means and returned with gold enough to hide a multitude of sins and then fair women permitted and even courted his society mothers with marriageable daughters condoned his offences against morality and said oh well young men will sow their wild oats it is no use to be too straight-laced but there were a few thoughtful mothers old-fashioned enough to believe that the law of purity is as binding upon the man as the woman and who under no conditions would invite him to associate with their daughters women who tried to teach their sons to be worthy of the love and esteem of good women by being as chaste in their conversation and as pure in their lives as their young daughters who sat at their side sheltered in their pleasant and peaceful homes one of the first things that frank miller did after he returned to a p was to open a large and elegantly furnished saloon and restaurant the license to keep such a place was very high and men said that to pay it he resorted to very questionable means that his place was a resort for gamblers and that he employed a young man to guard the entrance of his saloon from any sudden invasion of the police by giving a signal without if he saw any of them approaching and other things were whispered of his saloon which showed it to be a far more dangerous place for the tempted unwary and inexperienced feet of the young men of a p than any low groggery in the whole city young men who would have scorned to enter the lowest dens of vice felt at home in his gilded palace of sin beautiful pictures adorned the walls light streamed into the room through finely stained glass windows women not as god had made them but as sin had debased them came there to spend the evening in the mazy dance or to sit with partners in sin and feast at luxurious tables politicians came there to concoct their plans for coming campaigns to fix their slates and to devise means for grasping with eager hands the spoils of government young men anxious for places in the gift of the government found that winking at frank miller's vices and conforming to the demoralizing customs of his place were passports to political favors and lacking moral stamina hushed their consciences and became partakers of his sins men talked in private of his vices and drank his liquors and smoked his cigars in public his place was a snare to their souls the dead were there but they knew it not he built a beautiful home and furnished it magnificently and some said that the woman who married him would do well as if it were possible for any woman to marry well who linked her destinies to a wicked selfish and base man whose business was a constant menace to the peace the purity and progress of society i believe it was milton who said that the purity of a man should be more splendid than the purity of a woman basing his idea upon the declaration the head of the woman is the man and the head of the man is jesus christ surely if man occupies this high rank in the creation of god 
he should ever be the true friend and helper of woman and not as he too often proves her falsest friend and basest enemy End of chapter three